You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Hello, everybody. It's exciting to be here today and talk about a topic that has been very much of interest to me and I know to many of our friends and family, which is about the concept of the sandwich generation. And really, the definition of the sandwich generation is an adult who has both a living parent who's greater than 65 years old and also a child who could either be under 18 or is a young adult for whom that parent is responsible. And there are so many topics that go along with being part of the sandwich generation and all of the stress and all of the cultural and other responsibilities that are imbued by the sandwich generation. And I'd really love to hear what everyone has to say about that. Well, what's the age of the, that generation, Vera? Well, typically they consider the sandwich generation to be middle-aged adults that are in their 40s and 50s, although it really does span across late 30s to mid 60s as well. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that... that. Um... Boy, we are sandwiches, <laughs> you know, taking care of kind of taking care of everybody. I, I never really did uh, for myself have to take care of um, my parents too much, although they, they did have have issues. They they seem to be able to you know work through those without without me being involved in, you know, day to day taking care of. But I certainly had, you know, the children and, and those types of of situations where you have, um, you know, just, just your kids with, with everything and where's, where's your life. But, you know, I, I, I think that there are things um, also that mitigate that. So before I start mitigating, I want to ask Julie what she thinks. Well, I kind of take it in a little different perspective because I think of where it stemmed from in my life. So in my life, I think of, uh, living in a, a world where it was my parents' uh, activities, it was my parents' friends and growing up. I mean, you just, you know, you were driven to your sporting events, but it wasn't a something that you had to always be there. Parents weren't necessarily always at your events. And so then it, it became, when we had children, it became our our children's events and friends. So I kind of feel like we didn't really have an opportunity to really have that deep connection to to friends or or our, or our our own life because we've been in so many different generations of, of family dynamics, whether it's our parents or our children. So, do you, would you say then that when we were young, we were really part of our parents' lives, and then we became part of our children's That's lives, right. and really we made their world our world first that's exactly what you know I, I think that's a good observation and when you think about it that there is so much um so many single women now who are taking that time to not be in a sandwich 
who whose parents maybe are, you know, they're still okay and they're still on their own and they don't have kids. So they're taking that time. And that is a huge part of our generation, especially in the inner cities, uh, in the more in the, the flyover states and in the rural states, they still tend to get married a little earlier. They still tend to start families a little earlier. And they, they still kind of tend to go from home to home. So family, you know, parents to marriage. But boy, in the inner cities, it's a it's a different world entirely. Women especially are taking time to, you know, have have their own time. And some of them kind of keep that forever. And some of them move on to get married later and have families. But it, it is a different world than we all grew up for sure. And, and I guess I would ask both of you, do you know anybody or you yourself that really feel that you're taking care of a parent or you're taking care of of a child, whether they're an adult child or younger child, and what kind of stress does that bring on for you? How do you manage that? Well, I can say, um, and you know, I love my parents, and, and I have my mother that's now ninety years old, and she's very um, capable of driving and playing bridge, and and I'm very fortunate that way. But there's that underlying, you know, desire to make sure that I'm accountable and, and there for her. Um, and, but I think also to that point, I also want to be there for my children. And, and so sometimes there's a, you know, a, a, a struggle because at her age and, and being nearby and not feeling like I can get away sometimes to see my children because they're not near me, that can be a, a struggle. And so that's something that as a parent, I'm trying to, you know, navigate through. So, and it's been, it's a huge challenge. You know, I think it's a kind of a dilemma with women of all types, but especially women that that have probably aging parents and kids. And when I say kids, they can be young kids, but they can be 40 year old kids, too. It doesn't matter because (laughs) in in today's generations, you know, we there are so many people, um, you know, in their 20s to 40 that are still living at home, which is just crazy to me. And now with the interest rates going up, it's probably going to get even worse because people aren't able to afford homes. And, you know, that when, when you have people who own buildings that are renting to people who can't afford homes, they have to increase their rents because they have to pay more interest. So it is a vicious, vicious cycle. And, you know, I, I don't have any of those issues myself. And yet, there's another part of this that that I can really relate to because I have said twice to my husband in the last couple of days that I I don't that all all I'm doing all the time is something for somebody else and not for myself and you know just just the thought to sit and read a book quietly or you know just just to have nothing to do and instead of there's always something to do for somebody else you know and and now with uh, you know we're very fortunate that that three out of four of our kids live literally right down the street from us, so so we get to see them often. But that also means seeing you know little baby grandchildren often, and they take time and they take effort. So 
you know, it's and and all of that is wonderful. But there's also this piece that says, well, I just really like to just kind of get off the merry-go-round for a moment and and have a moment. And and I have to tell you, I really, this is a conversation that I really have to think about. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, I have 10 kids and I am stuck right in the middle of the sandwich generation. I'm truly the peanut butter in the middle of the sandwich because (laughs) I am in my 50s and I have taken care of my parents and my father-in-law. They've all lived with me over the last couple decades. And at the same time, I've had young children. And so what I've loved about it is that when they're with me and they can just enjoy being with the kids, I love the fact that my children can get to know the generations. And I really embrace that and I really love that. However, on the other hand, there are times when especially our parents start to struggle or they have these extra needs that go beyond what I feel I have the expertise to handle, then it becomes difficult, especially when you have young children and they're seeing all of that because you want when they're young to preserve some of that innocence. So while it's good for them to be exposed, on the other hand, you want them to be able to enjoy their grandparents and look up to that generation. So it's really, it's a very interesting paradox in certain ways. I have a little different um, situation because you all have your children, your grandchildren near you, and I don't. So, you know, I have now all this free time. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm still working. But it, it, that's a big adjustment because even though I do have a mother that I want to make sure that she's, you know, well taken care of, uh, that that freedom, because I've been so caring for my children or caring for my parents, it's, it's having that freedom. You're kind of like, okay, uh, what do I do? Because I have been such a nurturing person. That's all I really know. So that's been a, you know, a little bit of a, a a new audience of trying to figure out what it is that really will make me fulfilled. Um, because my fulfillment has always been my kids. It's always been, you know, being part of family. Um, so I, I imagine a lot of women are having all those the same experiences as all the three of us because the three of our experiences are the same in some ways, but different in many ways too. And mm-hmm. and we're we're kind of all there. My parents are gone, so um, I don't have that to deal with. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they didn't pass that long ago, so you know there 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 still were things to deal with. But I can definitely relate to you know, still having to be involved, even though my kids are not young kids, these you're still involved, you know, um, I talk to them every single day. And, and it's not always, they're all different. It's always so interesting to me. And I imagine Vera with 10 of them, it's, it's even more interesting than with four of them. But, but with, you know, just, just, kids that are brought up kind of in the same way by the same people and they come out completely different. I don't know how that works. But, <laughs> but, but they, they all definitely have different needs. And, you know, sometimes their needs supersede um, my needs, I feel. And although we always have choices that we make, you know, I mean, mothers tend to make choices 
for families and women tend to make choices that put other people first. And that's interesting because men tend to make choices that put themselves first. And I don't mean selfishly. I don't mean that. I'm that it's just a different way that we react. Men would be more like, let them, let them take care of it. You know, exactly. Yes. Right. They'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Let them learn. You'll you figure know. it out. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think it's also hard too. no matter how old we are, your parents are still your parents. And there's always that relationship of parent to child. And that's also a gap in terms of trying to close that gap when you start to become your parents' caregiver. And the emotional impact on of that, at least for me, was somewhat of a challenge as I saw, especially my dad start to age and my mom who had Alzheimer's. I think it was, it's, it's, oh, Really, it's a bridge that you're trying to cross that isn't easy to cross. And so I feel like for me that as I'm glad I had the time with them, I did. But I still think that that there are, you need that support. You need the support of others to be able to dialogue some of these topics with, to be able to share your heart share some of the pain and be able to know that there are others who support you and are going through a similar situation because you want to take the very best care of your parents and your children. And that's just part of the process. Then add in working on top of it, you know, having well, a career. Sure. Yeah. yeah. A lot. Yes. And, and the three of us do work, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, what I've noticed a lot, and I don't know that it has to do with the sandwich generation, but what I've noticed a lot is I've noticed that if a parent, if say if you have siblings, it's always one that has the bulk of the work, isn't it? And and the other ones kind of say, hey, you know, thanks for doing that, but you know, I got things to do. And that that's kind of sad to me because we'll we'll need kind of a, a a way to escape and a way to do things for ourselves. To, it's, it's how we renew ourselves. And if we don't have that opportunity to renew ourselves, then we're not a lot of good to ourselves or anybody else. Well, and I see when we talk about that topic, I have a, a perspective on that because there were many years that I was probably the lead caregiver of my five siblings because my parents were with me. And actually my philosophy was always, if I don't wanna do it, I shouldn't step up to the plate and do it. And I should never expect from others what they cannot give because everyone's in a different life circumstance. And for me, I felt I got more out of taking care of my parents than what I put into that process. Now, not everyone feels that way. And there's been a transition in my family where now someone else had become the lead caregiver for a while. And it was interesting to watch that shift of dynamics because I learned that different people react differently to shouldering that burden. And that's how they see it. Whereas for me, it was a gift 
for others, sometimes I think they see it as a responsibility that's very hard to carry. And so my advice on that is people shouldn't do anything that they're not willing to take on just because they should be doing it out of love and from a place in their heart and and not expecting other people to carry more of the burden. That's their choice to do these things and they should do it out of love. And actually, and naturally, obviously, if they've moved away from home, right, um, they've already, you know, the sibling has already started a new life in a new state and, and that's become their new normal. And so the the sibling that might be the closest to the parent that's in state, it just sometimes naturally falls on that too. And so, and obviously, uh, depending on the relationship you have with your parents, I mean, not everyone has great relationships with their parents. I, I was fortunate to have wonderful relationships. So to your point, Vera, I was very happy to be a part of their adult life, you know, their elderly life and continue to do so. So, but, you know, my siblings, we've had these conversations and, you know, they just simply were away and they've been away for 20, 30 years. And, um, and so for them, parents didn't need the needs that they have now. And so now as they get that much older, then it's almost to your point, you need the break. Hey, and, and siblings should step up and say, Hey, let me do something for that parent. But why don't you take a break or just come up or do something, um, you know, just so you get re- renourished. Yeah. And I, I think the breaks are good. And I think that we all need them. And I think that I just think for women, we tend not to think about ourselves and we tend to think about others all the time and, and put ourselves last sometimes. And sometimes that is not um, to the best for us. If you, I don't mind being that person that does for everybody. I don't mind that at all. But once in a while, you know, I would like somebody, they don't even have to do for me, but but give me a break from doing that. That would be, that would be the nice thing. So I think that, you know, to your point, Vera, with the sandwich generation, that it's, that it is um, something for us to think about the position that we're in, in, in the age group and with, kind of family on the top end and on the, the bottom end and you're in the middle and, you know, think about how, how we can balance that better for our own happiness as well as everybody else's. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. 
It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And I'd like to introduce our host today. So today we have with us Vera. And Vera is a CEO of a very large company in North America. And she hails from, well, she used to hail from Michigan and now she hails from Florida. She is a mom of 10 kids and has 10 grandkids. I can't even wrap my head around that, Vera. (laughs) And we have Julie. And Julie also uh, was, was a previous resident of Michigan and is now a resident of Florida. She is a realtor, has been a a realtor in both states, Michigan and Florida. She is married also and has three girls. And I'm Linda Martinelli. I am a business owner. I used to hail from California and now to hail from Texas. And there's the reason that I'm saying all this. So ladies, we're going to talk about it. Um, I also am married a mom to four kids. So let's talk about people that are doing exactly what we did, ladies, that we picked up all of our roots, you in Michigan, me in California, born, bred, grew up there, and said, at some point, I've had enough, I need a change, and looked around the country and said, where do I want to go? Looked at a few spots, looked at Nashville, uh, eh, something about the weather there was not agreeing with me. And um, ended up in Texas and couldn't be happier. I wish I would have made the move much sooner, but um, you know, the, the, the people in Texas are just a different breed of people than the people in California were. And they're, they're just nicer. You know, when you drive down the street, everybody waves. Just every time you pass somebody, they raise up their hand and they wave at you. I, they'd shoot you in California for that. So, <laughs> I mean, so I, I just, um, I, I couldn't be happier. And I know that both of you have made those big life moves. So what is your thoughts on how that has worked out for both of you? Well, I can tell you, I just moved um, down to Florida about uh, six months ago. And I've been coming back and forth, you know, over the years growing up. And so Florida has kind of been a second home to me. But I have to tell you that, you know, the sunshine just brights everything up and the vitamin D. And I think that was the biggest impact that I've recognized. And, and to your point, people are just generally happier. Um, it, it's, it has to be something to do with that weather. And obviously, I'm not missing the snow, that's for sure. Um, and just enjoying uh, seeing the, all the water that's down here and being outdoors and being able to walk all the time. And it's just, it's just been a, a great, great change for me. And, and to your point, I w- wish I had done it sooner. So I have a lot of friends who live in Michigan and some who have moved out for the very same reason as you, Julie, uh, because of the weather, mostly because her husband got, you know, really depressed every year about no sunshine. 
and they moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, and they have plenty of sunshine. So they, they really love it there, but it's it's a huge difference from the way that they have lived for a very long time. How about you, Vera? Well, my story started with my brothers and sisters and I wanted to live by each other. And so we made a pact that within a certain number of years, we were going to move to a city together. And we actually identified six cities. And then on New Year's Eve, we each got to throw out one of the six cities. So that took us down to three cities. And one of the three cities was Tampa, Florida. And so we ended up choosing Tampa. We came down here. My husband really wanted a sunset, which we get in spades down here. It's beautiful. And so for me, I came down here with my brother and my sister. We live a mile from each other. And now some of my best friends have joined me. And I just love it down here. I grew up in Jack's Beach, Florida. I lived in Michigan for 30 years. And I will say the people in Michigan are wonderful. Mm -hmm. Midwestern values are amazing, very family oriented. And I love that piece of the Midwest. And what was really interesting to me when I moved to Florida is that the people from that Michigan, Illinois, Ohio corridor, you see a lot of them down here in Tampa because they come down I-75 and they end up settling down here. So I really felt when I got here, I didn't feel it was a huge change because I'd grown up in Jack's Beach and there were so many people from Michigan that I felt right at home. Okay. Well, I, I do feel like there's a huge migration in the country. I was just in Florida. And uh, when I was in Florida, uh, was talking to like the Uber drivers, always have a conversation and find out what their life, their lives are the most interesting. Uh, you know, <laughs> there, there's just so many different kinds of Uber drivers. Um, and, and this, this one uh, uh, young man, he was a black man, and he came down from New York and he only had lived in uh, Florida for about two weeks. And he said it was the nicest place. And he just couldn't believe the difference. He didn't feel afraid. Although it was interesting because in his Uber, um, he almost got uh, carjacked in, in his first couple of weeks. But he's very heads up, probably having come from New York. And he he saw what was going to happen and he got out of there and he, you know, thanks to his his um, situational awareness there, but, but he really, really loved it. And he said that so many people that he knows in New York are moving to Florida as well. And in fact, down here, they call it Champa Bay now, because oh, of course yeah. we won the, um, we won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, the lightning one, the NHL, the Stanley cup, and our Rays made it to the um, World Series a couple of years ago. So obviously with Brady coming down here, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of um, press around the Tampa Bay area. And I have to tell you, Linda, I love it down here because it is so sunny and the people are so incredibly friendly and the city's just exploding. It's exploding with new restaurants, new hotels new art museums. So much is going on down here, at least in Tampa Bay, and I'm sure in Texas and the rest of Florida as well. We've just, we're thoroughly enjoying it. And I, I'll add to that um, with our baby boomers. 
I've seen a big shift where many homeowners had their second home in Florida and they're now making it their primary home. And not only it was because of COVID and people being able to work wherever they could, but they also had that taste of being year round and recognizing, or at least longer period of time than just vacationing for two or three months. And they, they recognize, you know what, I'd rather have nine months in Florida. And when it's the most hot months of the year, it's most beautiful up north. So it's been a big shift where they're getting rid of their home, maybe up, up in their northern part. And this is primarily your baby boomers. They're getting ready to make a move anyway. And um, and whether or not they're able to leave their grandchildren or their family uh, is one thing, but but we've seen such a shift in that. I mean, incredible shift. Well, and we're seeing so many businesses coming oh, down here yes. too. And because so many businesses are coming and a lot of the educational institutions are really starting to rise in the rankings as well down here. So you're seeing a lot of the next generation that are also planting their flag here. So for example, all of my children, even though they grew up up North, they all live down here and they love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can see that. And, and, and my kids also, they, they, they love Texas. I, when I moved to Texas, I purposely wanted kind of a, a sleepy town. I didn't want to be in a big city and I got my sleepy town and, you know, uh, we all, have some acreage and, um, you know, do, do Texas things like, um, have bulls on the property or goats or chickens or, you know, different kinds of wildlife. Um, I have a river in the backyard, but what happened right after the time that, um, my husband and I moved out here, which has been about eight years, um, everybody else found this place. And it, so they bought up all the property and they're building houses like crazy. And I'm like, no, I don't want this to happen here. You know, it's still a very small town, which, which I like, but it's, it's bigger than it was eight years ago. And, um, a lot, you know, you have in Florida, you have the shift of the people coming from the North to Florida. We have the shift of the people coming from the West to Texas, so we get the Californians and, you know, some of them come in and, and they, they truly want a change of life and other ones come in and they want to come in and change our life. And I don't want that to happen. And, and I fear that a lot because, um, oh, I, gosh, I was in driving in why, Houston. Why did they come? Well, why exactly. But that's what they do. They, they come and they want to change our way of, of life. And I, I truly love the way of life here. And mm-hmm. I just think, you know, I'm so, so pleased that, that my grandson is down the street, even though he's only four months old, he, he's going to have that opportunity to do things. You know, he, he, he actually has cattle on his property. He's going to have the opportunity to interact instead of just living in the inner city there and, um, kind of which to to my mind became a rat race and this is a little bit calmer a little bit slower pace with nicer people and and i um a little bit more religious people um a little bit more people with manners and i and i really really enjoy that so i i'm hoping that all this moving around is gonna stay a good thing you know for all of us because i 
I would I would hate to see us take these states, especially like Florida and Texas. And by the way, ladies, even though you're in Florida, Texas is still the number one business growth center of the entire <laughs> United States. I want you to know that. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I, 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 ta- I mentioned it to our governor and I said, you know, um, and I am one, a Californian that moved to Texas. I said, but you get all these Californians moving to Texas and and they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to turn us blue. And he said, this is what he said. And I don't know if I believe it or not, but it's what he said. He said, statistics show that the first year that they come, they do vote however they voted. But that by the second year and the third year, they are starting to change the way that they look at things. I don't know if that's true or not, because you look at a town like Austin or Houston that has, you know, kind of gone to hell in a handbasket. But um, people are paying for that, so maybe they'll they'll turn that around too. I don't know. I don't well, know if it's a good or bad I can, thing. <laughs> I can tell you one thing that that we talk about here is the growth of so many condominiums. So one of the things that we struggle with because so many people are moving to the Tampa Bay area which is a great thing. It's wonderful to have all these incredible people bringing to us their backgrounds and their excitement. The downside is that we're starting to see all these condominiums and the traffic starting to get a little bit tougher. And to your point, Linda, that's part of why we chose Tampa was because we felt that it was a little bit more low key, a little less traffic, So it'll be interesting to see how the city adapts to that Mm -hmm. over the next few years, because as the population really starts to explode, how are they going to handle that? And I don't know, Julie, what your thoughts are. Yeah, the density is definitely um, having an impact um, for sure. But I would say that most of this movement is just bringing a lot more money. Um, So we're talking East Coast money, which is, you know, it's becoming a little bit unaffordable to many Floridians that actually lived here. I mean, they're happy that their homes have valued up, but it's, it's a little concerning too. I mean, as we had talked earlier in our first segment about, you know, these young people trying to afford homes, that age has really risen now uh, because you've got to have such a, a, you know, a, a great nest egg, you know, to be able to afford a home today. And so bringing all that wonderful, you know, newness to the, it also brings a lot of money that, you know, has really spiked up house housing prices quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to me that, you know, I wish that, that we would have no death tax and keep no death tax because, you know, it, it should be that we can, can leave whatever we leave left to our kids so that they can buy the next generation of houses and things instead of the government deciding to take that. But yeah, I think that that we have a huge migration going on in this country. You try to get a U-Haul truck from California to Texas, forget it. And and if you can get one, you're going to pay so much money for it that it, it's crazy. Uh, I'm still trying to move one antique piece of furniture out here, and I don't have anything big enough to move it because it's a couch that's just a little bit too long. And I mean, it's not, it's not worth the price. The whole couch isn't worth what a U-Haul would cost me to get it out here. So I'm trying to figure that one out. Um, it's just a little bit too long for our truck, but we'll, we'll, 
have to figure that out over time. Um, it's been eight years, so I still, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but anyway, it is, it, we are definitely in a migration, but like I mentioned before, it's not just this. It is that a lot of these young people in their, their late teens, early twenties, mid twenties, late twenties, they're going to college, starting careers are heading to big cities. They're heading to big cities and they're, they're living in those condos that you're talking about. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, the, the new kind of condos that have everything at the bottom that you could possibly want the grocery store, the cleaners, the mark, you know, everything that you could want there, the, the restaurants and, and they, they are making kind of a singular life there. Women are taking much longer to get married and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, it definitely is kind of a, um, seems like everything else in the country, it's a split. I mean, it's. Well, Linda, it's interesting because, um, I've also heard where a lot of grandparents have maybe put aside, uh, their 529 for their children, for their children, you know, their grandchildren. Now we're hearing that they're investing in homes because that could be a gift somewhere down the road for their grandchildren because it's giving them that leg up. So instead of that investment into a college education, and we're hoping that the return on investment for college education is going to, you know, be there. um, That's another alternative that we're hearing that grandparents are doing nowadays. I think that's a great idea. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, luckily for, for us, you know, um, not all of our kids own their own home, but um, three out of four, do and you know that that that's a really good thing that at their age that they already have that you know that kind yeah. of that um uh, foot feet on the ground so i like that but the migration is on americaoutloud.com If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Listen to the Ladies of Liberty sound off on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Welcome back to our last segment of Ladies of Liberty sound off. And I'm sounding off with Vera and Julie here. 
And, you know, the three of us ladies are in business and have been in business our whole lives. There are women in business who tend to have a, a perception that they need to be kind of hard to, to succeed in business, that they're competing against men, that, that they've got to work harder, work better, work faster, be there more, and that they have to break that glass ceiling. And I know, Vera, we've talked about this a lot of times. I don't think there's a glass ceiling. Um, I think people should just be who they are. And what I think is more important in business is not kind of having that rigid kind of stiff outlook as a woman in business, but having people like you. And and I'm not saying give up your ethics, give up your work ethics, don't do any of that. But you you can have both. You can you can be both. And women get a bad rap because they kind of tend to come off hard and they're hard on each other and they're hard on men as well, especially men. I, I, that's a, that's a big issue with me. I mean, they, they've been really hard on men. And I think that women can be likable and can be feminine even, and, and be successful and do all the things that they do well, you know, manage or, um, so let's talk about just for a second, these kids that we were just talking about that are coming out of college in their twenties, you know, that they don't have to be rigid and hard. They will get further in business with a smile and with people liking them, do all the things that they do and do them well, but you don't need to be hard nose about it. What do you think? Well, I have to say, I think this generation that's coming out of college think a little bit differently than we did. No, a lot differently, Vera. (laughs) (laughs) that's true Linda you know what matters to them what matters to them in their careers many of them would say making a difference being part of something bigger than themselves balancing their work and their family those things are really important so now let's layer on that women in business and what does that look like And what I believe and what I'm seeing is that women now are looking for strong female role models. You know, when we were first in the business world, we were the ones who were blazing the trail. It's not like that anymore. There's so many successful women. So now I think this next generation, they crave that mentor and that role model. And to your point, Linda, I think they're looking for women who can really help them to optimize themselves, not only professionally, but also as a woman professionally. And I'd love to hear Julie's thoughts. Yeah. And I think it's also um, a balancing, you know, teaching. I, I've been in my real estate world. I love to educate, uh, maybe mentor younger agents and that I get fulfilled, especially, you know, there's a lot of women in that field. And to your point, when you feel likable and you feel that they, that people trust you and you can be there uh, as as an advocate for your client, uh, it's, it's something that I think women will recognize 
uh, just a, accountability to just being a better person overall. You're just, you, you feel like you're just um, really caring about someone. And we are naturally do that in women. We do care. We care about our, our family. I mean, we, we are a protector of our families. And, and so we should be protecting women as well, you know, besides our family. You know, we, we definitely should, but it, it's interesting that women are very competitive with one another. And, and I know um, at, in, in my career at times when I was successful, I had women coming up to me and saying, I'm going to beat you next year at, you know, what you're doing. And I would always say, go for it. I mean, good for you, more power to you. I'm not competing with anybody but myself. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we what we could realize is that we are all, we all have different goals, you know? Um, so I'm in sales and could I have sold more stuff? Absolutely. A thousand times over, I could have sold more stuff. But my goal was raising my young children and working and making sure that I was at every little league game that they had or every band event that they had, I wanted to be at. That's what was important to me, earning enough that that my family was taken care of, but also giving that that time to my kids and not losing those moments with my kids. And that was what was important to me. It wasn't about competing that I was at the top of anything. Um, If I generically got to the top of something, it was just because I work hard. I do good work. I work hard, but I, but I don't do it for anybody else's benefit other than my own. And I do uh, love to mentor younger people in my industry. I love it. And, um, you know, it's funny at, at this point of, of my life, just, just the other day I was somewhere and I was talking and they said, you know, could you come and talk to our ladies group? And I had to really think about that. Like, do I, do I really want to still do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there comes a point when you just say, okay, I, I, I've been there and done that. And I'll pass that baton to somebody else. So I'm thinking about it. I, I asked them what they'd like me to speak on. And I think that that's going to, you know, be my decision. But, but yeah, that, that we, I have to say that in my younger, younger days, I, um, well, I mean, I, I was a police officer. I had to be in a man's world there. And I, and when I went into sales, it, there was only men in my industry, only men. And, so, so you feel like you do have to compete on a different level, but it's kind of not that way anymore to your point that, that women are very well accepted in all walks of life, pretty much. And, you know, they don't need to prove themselves, but they, they can get further by, by doing what they do, but doing it in a way that they remain um, somebody that somebody wants to interact with somebody that somebody wants to be around, wants to work with, rather than somebody that that has to work with them, you know? Yeah, and, I, and you made a few points, Linda, that I love. One is, I always say, people work to live. They don't live to work. And I think that's a very key distinction for a lot of people. And I think this generation, I think we... It's our responsibility to help them to optimize themselves because we have the benefit 
of living in a world that now embraces women in all professions, all walks of life. So one of the things that I do in running my company is I try to ensure that all employees have the opportunity to know, are they in the right position? And if they're not in the right position, how do we find that best fit for them? Because I find when people are in the right position and they're doing what they love, a lot of those thoughts of competition and getting one up on the other person goes away because they don't care about it anymore. What they care about is they're optimizing themselves. And so for me, that's really a key factor. The other thing I would I would say is having heard you speak, Linda, I would strongly encourage you to share your wisdom with that group because you have so many incredible points. And every time I hear you speak, I've always been inspired. And I think that's our job. Our job is to inspire that next generation, to pay it forward. And one final thing I'll say that I do, and I think has helped some of the women in my company, is to teach women what it means to be direct without being critical. Because sometimes people layer that that. Um, feature, whatever you want to call it, that trait onto women. And I think that it's a very important thing that women understand. No, speak your mind, be honest, be straightforward, say it in a way that doesn't come off as if it's overly emotional, overly sensitive, but in a way that you're helping to build someone else up. You're helping to create a relationship and you're helping to bridge gaps with your coworkers. And that's one of the things that I'm noticing that women are getting better and better at. And I love it. I love seeing it in my company. And I have to say how you raised, you know, in your life and how you raised your children and working, I was similar. Everything you were saying, Linda, I was the same. I was doing the same thing. And so, yeah. Yeah, you just, you you make your choices. Is it about money? And there are people that it is about money for, or, or is it, is it that balance, you know, and the the balance has always been very important to me. And, and it is my family. It is my husband. It is my kids. And it is, um, oddly enough, it's my dog too. (laughs) I love my dog. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's for us, it's, it's traveling because we love to travel and, and, and it's work. And, you can balance those things. And I, one of the things that I think would help women a lot is to understand that you can balance those things that you, you can have, even though we talked in the first second about the sandwich generation and how tough it is to, to kind of balance things and get time to yourself. You really can make that time to yourself. So I don't know what you all do, but I'd love to know, but I mean, there are things that I don't give up in life. I don't, I don't give up having the occasional massage and I don't give up getting my pedicures because I love them. Um, when COVID came, I got, I gave up the nails and things, but you know, things like, like lashes or pedicures, things, just little things for me, those aren't big things. They only take an hour, but, but they're worth a million bucks to me for my mental health, I guess, you know, and, and, you know, to, to look decent for my husband as well. So uh, those, you, you can have it all. You really, truly can have it all. 
And don't you think a lot of it's about knowing your why? What's your why? Right? Because if you understand your why, then you can put your whole life in perspective and balance. I will tell you a big why for me. Every morning, my grandson comes here at about 745. And I know that's going to be my time with him for a few minutes every single day. I Those hugs, those kisses. He's a year and a half old. And mm-hmm. that's part of my why. And so I think, again, it's it's understanding that balance that I'm not going to give up those few precious moments every day with that little grandbaby. And I also think it's critical for our kids and especially our daughters to see us work because that's part of the reality of the next generation. Many of those women are going to choose to work or maybe feel they have to work for financial reasons. So seeing we can teach them how to balance, it's very important they see us balancing. But I think it's also great for them to see us working. And and I'm going to say this for a stay-at-home mom, you're an all-the-time worker. So when I talk about working, I'm not necessarily talking about a corporate job. It can be anything you're doing, whether it's volunteering at the school, whether it's something you're doing with a local organization, but just seeing that you're making the world a better place and you're giving back and there are things greater than yourself. To me, that is a huge piece of who we are and what we can teach our children in the next generation of women. I think another thing that we can do is, you know, with, with, with the way that the schools are right now, a lot of women are choosing to homeschool their kids. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to do as well. So, you know, what, whatever is best for everybody. And, um, but I, I, I guess that my, my point was to, to have to, for women to be, to, to do it, as you said, in a way that, that is, um, that's, that's not real rigid, but that allows, you know, a give and take and in people. Uh, yeah, I'll hear, you'll hear our young people say a fluid, very fluid. Yeah. I would say that my way of getting a, a break is, is just going on walks. And Linda, by moving south, is our segment was number two, I have so many more opportunities to now be outdoors mm-hmm. and just going on a walk and listening to whether it's a podcast, listening to some, you know, uh, story online or uh, book, it's just really, really peaceful for me. And just, it's so nice. And I just sit there and say, thank you, God. I'm just so very blessed because I just have this time for myself getting the exercise that I need and being in the sun, you know, um, it's just been a, a big bonus for me. And don't you guys think there's power in lifting each other up? There's power in caring about each other and really valuing the good that the other person brings. And I think when you do that, you take that rigidity away because it's not about the competition. Mm -hmm. It's about all of us together being better. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. And I I think that that's exactly the way to put it because we don't need to compete with one another. We just, we, we need to lift each other up and, 
And we can all do that. And we can all do that better. And, you know, it, it doesn't just work with women to women. It works with our families and our husbands as well. So, you know, the, the way that we approach people um, means everything for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank no, you, ladies, for, <laughs> for joining me on Ladies of Liberty today. I, you know, you gave me so, so many thoughts about things that I want to talk about in the near future. Uh, with both of you because some things that we touched on we didn't get to go deeply into and I'd like to to um, spend some more time with you and we can talk about those issues for women as well well ladies that's a wrap one more step for womankind 